Welcome to Let's Face the Facts. I'm David Almeida, and I'm your host for this rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I invite an actor or artist friend to watch an episode with me. Join us as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show. Hey guys, welcome back. It's another week, another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. My guest this week, Matthew Arder. It's a season premiere. It's season seven, episode one. Of course, Matthew's got to be here. And he's going to be here, actually, regularly for the foreseeable future. You may have noticed we have a new logo graphic for the podcast reflecting the season seven uh, Facts of Life logo that we have once they go to over our heads. And uh, on that, you may notice Matthew Arder's name is permanently down there at the bottom. So he had been talking for some time about being a regular sidekick of mine, and I decided, you know, it's time to make it official. Let's do this. So big changes in the facts of life, big changes in let's face the facts. So I'm back this week after taking a week off. Things just got so crazy. Some of it was work, some of it was play. It just unfortunately was all happening at the same time. And uh, I'm definitely in a better place now. And there is still work. uh, And that's good when you hear an actor say that. And uh, I think it's going to be a regular thing. I think before the next two season premieres, I'm uh, probably going to do it again. So there. Other business to take care of is I've got a new tootie fruity, Joseph T. Hey, Joseph, thank you so much for becoming a member of the family. Tutti Fruities, of course, are the people who sponsor the show through our Patreon at the $3 a month level. That gets you all kinds of fun stuff and extra videos, and it gets you an extra monthly podcast called TV Talkaholics, where Matthew and I talk about something facts of life adjacent, like the show you heard last week. So if you want more of that, you know how to acquire it. The link is right in your show notes. So now some follow-up from last week, or actually two weeks ago, when I had Jennifer Krista Palmer on, JCP. Uh, I can't believe I missed the opportunity to point out that she, who is now credited as woman in the Marvel Cinematic Universe for her role on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier finale, uh, I could have said this was finally the time when the MCU was meeting the FOLCU, the Facts of Life Cinematic Universe that I made up here for the show. Anyway, opportunity missed. Thought I'd still share it here. The other thing about the interview show was uh, we did talk about uh, sixth grade not being a part of middle school. Well, I stand corrected. Once again, I'm just fucking wrong about something. It was, of course, faithful listener Doug M. who pointed out that in New York State, sixth grade is considered middle school. So there you have it. Eastland makes sense, and I'm just a jerk for being constantly hypercritical, even when I don't need to be. So looking forward, now we're here for season seven. Matthew and I do all of our deep diving like we usually do. We do split it up into two parts, so he does some stuff this week. I'll be doing some stuff next week. But uh, a couple of listeners have shared some interesting things. Uh, There's a Tutti Frutti by the name of Michael B., He shared a couple of articles that he found through, I think it was newspaper.com, 
And uh, they're both articles that are really short little blurbs about the possible departure of Charlotte Ray from The Facts of Life that happened right around the end of season six and now the top of season seven. So I'm going to post those on this episode's webpage. And also a very faithful listener, Aaron B. Aaron runs the Facts of Life fan page on Facebook called The Facts of Life Site. And he points out that now that we're in season seven, we're going to see a lot of duplicate things that have appeared in other sitcoms, including things like wallpaper and sets and clothing. He says the wallpaper is the same as the Gimme a Break wallpaper, as well as Mr. Belvedere and Who's the Boss. He says that Blair's bed has the same pattern as Blanche Devereaux's couch. Uh, It's fascinating stuff. Aaron did send me some pictures as backup. And once again, check out this episode's webpage and I'll share those with you. And the last thing before we start is that uh, I had not shown this new logo graphic to Matthew when we started this Zoom call. So he had no idea that I was putting his name on the show and uh, wanting him to be a regular part of it going forward. So you're going to actually get to hear that and uh, hear his reaction to it. And uh, it's incredibly sweet. And I'm so thrilled to have him be an even more regular part of this show because it really is better with him, I think. So This week, Matthew and I watched Season 7, Episode 1, Out of the Fire, dot, dot, dot. And the original air date was September 14th of 1985. So I think we're ready to jump on in. Let's face the facts with Matthew Arder. Are you still celebrating, um... National Masturbation Month, David. You've been very busy. I hope you've had time to celebrate. I, uh, you know, I did take the week off of the podcast last week, so you could masturbate. I, I wish if you only knew. I wish there were the time. Uh, if you need help with it, I mean, I always, <laughs> like I said before, always willing to lend a hand. Oh, I appreciate um, that. <laughs> I think I've been doing it enough for the both of us. Um, And I don't just mean this month in life. (laughs) Okay. I'm pretty sure. Um, Uh, (laughs) Well, for those joining this conversation in progress, please welcome back to the show, Matthew Arter. Oh, David. Season seven. I cannot believe it. And I, I tend to do my a little bit more homework for these season premieres. And I went and listened to the past premiere episodes. And I am so sorry my voice is the way it is. I just... <laughs> Stop that! I can't believe that anyone sees my name next to it and wants to listen to it. They're probably like, oh, fucking that voice again. Uh. It's just... <laughs> Just, dear listeners, know I'm aware. I am, <laughs> we are aware of the problem. I did not have this lisp until I got my teeth fixed. But the nasal thing, it's, I don't know. Anyway, so you're not Stop. having time to masturbate. Well, how about I cut you off right there? Oh, because you are a fan God. favorite. The tens of listeners have spoken. And most of the commentary is that they greatly, greatly enjoy the shows that you are on. All I just heard was most of the commentary 
implying that there is other commentary that you're not telling me about. <laughs> that where people are like, oh, that queen. Okay. This so. is this is your problem, sweetie, because you're assuming that it's there are others that are speaking against you. And that's not at all. Whenever someone talks about what their favorite shows are, they're typically the Matthew shows. Um, so I wanted to show you something, you know, it's a new mm. season, so I have to have, no, it's just a, it's a <sighs> thing. Why do um, you say these things and get me excited during <laughs> masturbation month? <laughs> Don't ever um, get on a zoom call and say, I want to show you something to me. Okay. Oh, well, sharing a screen. I'm sharing you the new, uh, oh. the new podcast logo. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's got oh, the over God. our heads in the back, in the background. You should, you, you should have made one of the store burnt down just for the first <laughs> two episodes. Shut up. I wish I, I wish uh, I had the time to, if I had the time, I totally would have done it. If I knew how to do any of that, I would, I would help you. I wish I were better at Photoshopping. <laughs> there are things that Carol Lee could do with Photoshop that are, would help boost my career anyway <laughs> why does it say with matthew arter on it why does it say that is that what? just for this episode it's it's got the well no this is the new logo for starting with season seven am so, i gonna be on every episode is that what you're saying oh my god okay oh thank you oh this is what i've been waiting for here's the deal way mm -hmm. back once upon a time you had said i'd love to be your ed mcmahon kind of a thing kind of the sidekick uh -huh. And I kind of, I, I love the idea, but I also was resistant to it. And I have been for so long <laughs> because we used to do this at my house. Remember, I used to invite people over and it always was a logistical nightmare trying to pin down a guest to come to the show. And in my brain, I was like, and then we'd also have to coordinate with Matthew's schedule as well. That's complicating things. And when it comes to things getting more complicated, I run the other way. Sure. And getting and getting Matthew to drive over there. That was the big yeah, challenge. And listening, listening to him bitch about it every fucking time. Which is unusual because I'm not usually a bitcher. I'm not <laughs> usually one that complains about things. Reason just... number 87, I'm gonna die alone. Oh. <laughs> um, so what are you saying, David Almeida? What I'm saying is you know, people always assume that Tim Conway was a regular cast member on the Cal Burnett show. When in fact, he was not. It wasn't until I think the last two seasons, maybe the last three of the 11 seasons that they actually made it official and made him a cast member before he had just been a regular. There were planned numbers of episodes that he would do. And we have that sort of similar arrangement. And I'm like, we're doing this by Zoom now. And if you are willing to be there to be my sidekick, then I think we need to make it official that the, this is Let's Face the Facts, hosted by David Almeida with Matthew Arder. Okay, the first thought I have is grateful, obviously. Um, thank you, honored, all that crap. My second thought, David, is just like with Facts of Life, we're jumping the shark. Like, <laughs> like now we have something to mark when it jumped the shark, when... I'm I'm cousin Oliver. Oh my god! So, I can't breathe. 
Suddenly, I'm cousin Oliver on the on the on the podcast. You are not, no, no. You are Joe. You are not Pippa. You are Joe being added. You are Tim Conway. I'm Andy on Family Ties. Oh. <laughs> well, anyway, David, can we talk about this? Can we talk about say? 1985 before we start? With season seven, episode one, Out of the Fire, a landmark, insanely important, pivotal episode, which aired on September 14th of 1985. Can we talk about where were we as a country, as a culture? Where let's let's talk about 1985. All right, David. What would you like to know about first? Would you um, like to know? Where do you want to start? You tell me what in your research oh was the most thrilling thing that you wanted to share. Let's talk about toys, David. Let's talk toys. about toys of 1985. Because okay. This is, this is where my issues lie. Okay. That's great. Talk to me. What were okay. the popular toys? Cabbage Patch Kids. Holy fucking shit. <laughs> the phenomenon. The insanita we, of the Cabbage Patch Kids. We talked about the Cabbage Patch Kids for the opening of season five, David, in 1983. Did we? Yes, we did. But they didn't <laughs> what? They didn't tip over into insanity till this year? I'm thinking that the first, first Cabbage Patch Kids were the porcelain collectible doll ones. Um... And in, those came out in 83. And then in 85 is when it became... Uh, Masteria. It became yeah. like going to White Castle in Orlando, David. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm. For those that don't know, Orlando has its first White Castle and people are losing that. Not since uh, the opening of the first Krispy Kreme in Winter Park. Have you seen people losing their shit over food they do not need? <laughs> anyway, so I don't know when the fuck Cabbage Patch Kids came out. Nope. But it said on my research, 1984. Five. Yeah. And if people want real hard, true facts, hopefully they know this really isn't the place to find yeah, them. <laughs> probably not. Um, a lot of um, toys, because this is when Saturday morning cartoons started to become like everything got got a cartoon. Oh, yeah. Like was Pac-Man and the toys were inspiring the cartoons as opposed to the other way around. Right. I think the I don't know. I think the cartoons were inspiring the toys because it says here popular toys of 1985 transformers oh so yeah. i don't know which came first also yeah. rainbow bright and care bears david oh my god good lord <laughs> trying to create a new generation of homosexuals and they succeeded and this last one david leads me into the top movies one of the top toys was skateboards David. skateboards yeah that was a big thing and it was fairly new that was a new phenomenon the skateboard well it was i mean skateboards have always been around david but mm -hmm. as far as the top movies go top oh. five answers on the board david oh no i, I shit i should have i didn't i, I should have known you're gonna do this i how did i forget okay top five movies of 1985 well, thank you for the hint, skateboard. Back to the future. Back to the future, number one answer. You're gonna play or pass, David. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna play. I want to play. Okay. Um, Peggy Sue got married. 
Oh, that is not in the top five, David. Not Damn. in the top five. 19. Can you give me any hints that are not too hinty? Um, um, well, I can give you two hints for two of them, actually. And these are highest grossing, not necessarily the best films. Right. Highest grossing. Yeah. Um, Sylvester Stallone. Rambo? Or First Blood? Rambo First Blood Part Two. David. okay what else was, what else that was number two my and then also number three sylvester stallone as again stallone again mm-hmm. it was there another rocky movie rocky four it was the rocky movie that made me gay david it was the rocky movie with dolph lundgren in it that was th- three four. Four. four i was four i was right yeah. you were Woo-hoo! correct yes um that was the one that had the full body scan of a very shiny, sweaty, delicious mm. Dolph Lundgren. Oh, God, he was carved out of butter. Oh, my God. Bless it. Um, number four, David. I'm going to give you a hint. Mm-hmm. You told Hoppo to beat me. The color purple. Mm-hmm. Number five, David, I don't know how to give you a hint because I never saw it. Somehow it's the fifth highest grossing film of all time, but it also appears on the worst films of all time list out of Africa. Oh, oh, I don't know one person that has ever seen that movie. I, I <laughs> did. And I don't remember anything about Meryl Streep had an accent. What a surprise. Out of Africa was a big budget sweeping English patient level epic. It won seven yeah. fucking Academy Awards. Yeah. Whew. Here are wow. some of the um, worst movies of the year, David. Oh, good. Oh, the lowest grossing movies. Yay. That makes now, me happy. This is the thing. The lowest grossing movies were movies that were so obscure that like they weren't yeah. even fun to list. So I just found a list that had um, the worst movies of 1985. Oh, just so. the worst movies. Sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Real Genius, starring Val Kilmer. One of oh, the worst wonderful. Movies. Perfect with John Travolta and Mary Lou Henner. Oh, my God. Wasn't Jamie Lee Curtis in that, too? Probably. Yeah. No one will ever know. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, I believe you are familiar with this um, dime store knockoff of Gremlins, Ghoulies. Ghoulies, yeah. Oh God, yes. Because Gremlins was the year before, correct? Was yes, eighty-four. Eighty-four. Yeah. Ghoulies. Uh, we got our first glimpse, David, of the acting of Madonna Ciccone, ladies oh, and gentlemen, in wow. Desperately Seeking Susan. Oh wow! Um, yes, my dear friend and um fan favorite of the um, podcast stars is um, Police Academy 2 starring Steve Gutenberg was mm-hmm. one of the first movies of that year Police Academy 2 um, Porky's Revenge David oh my god so this is the third isn't it I have no there's idea Porky's and those Porky's 2 the next day Santa Claus the movie with Dudley fucking Moore oh I've never seen that and I have no desire to and last but not least, I could probably go off on another podcast with you on this, David. This is Matthew's opinion of the worst movie of 1985, The Goonies. Oh, wow. It's just painful to sit through, David. 
I have not seen it lately. It was one of those that was in heavy rotation in the late 80s, early 90s. So I watched it a lot. I, I, in my brain, it's, it's quite beloved. And I think I, I think I still like it. I would need to watch it again to be reminded, but it is. And I I love it, mm -hmm. but it is a terrible movie. But you love it. It's like Greece. It's, I love it, but, and I'll watch it. It's a terrible movie. Even with young budding Josh Brolin. And, ooh, kind of a sort of facts of life um, adjacent. Um, what's his pussy? Sean Astin is in it. Sean Astin, brother Oof. of Mackenzie Astin. Yeah. And uh, maybe we need to watch it and do a, do a TV talkaholics about it. On Broadway, David, 1985. Oh, dismal, abysmal. This I did look up. I didn't write anything down. So oh. I, I I just looked up and I went, oh, this was when Broadway was in the shit hitter. Big river. Big river. So Which look is- out for me. Oh, muddy water. Your mysteries are deep and wide. Well, there, I think there was a little more soul in the original, but okay. How enjoyed. dare you? I always enjoyed How About a Hand for the Hog, David. I um, don't remember that one at all. <laughs> Jerry's Girls was on Broadway, David. Uh, a, a review, if you will, that never should have gone to actual Broadway of Jerry Herman's music um, and how he only wrote for old ladies. Um, uh, he had, Leslie Uggams was not old and Andrea McArdle was barely an adult when they did Jerry's Girls. They were singing songs written for old ladies. That's true. Very true. Yeah. Um, key, key of D flat. The mystery of Edwin Drood. Oh, oof. Uh, I think that's a fun show. I like uh, it. It's a little highfalutin. Of course you do. Um, as far as plays go, Biloxi Blues, David, was mm-hmm. up there. Yep. And Yul Brynner in his final revival of The Fucking King and I. And he got a special Tony for like, what, 5,000 and something performances? Yeah. And funny enough, he died that year. Wow. You want to know who else died that year, David? Oh, oh, who else died that year, Matthew? Rock Hudson died that year. Oh, the Margaret AIDS. Hamilton died that year. The Wicked Witch. Orson Welles died that year. The drunk commercial guy. Ruth Gordon died that year. God damn it. <laughs> now, Harold and Maude. She is so fucking kooky. And del- Ugh, I love Harold and Maude is one of my favorites. I love Harold and Maude. I'm not mad at you. Bill Silvers died that year, David. Oh, father of Kathy Silvers, star of High School USA. That's why I included it. Um, and now, David, I would like to... Um, it was a good year for music. It's a oh, good year for music. Yeah, 85. Now you're, yeah, Broadway in the shitter, but no, pop music. Yeah. Fucking A. Yes, I, I am in. What do we got? Um, I will give you the top five sung as um, in honor of, um, in honor of Jerry's Girls being on Broadway. I will give you the top five sung as Carol Channing. You're going to say, that's right. We did this. We were, did we do Judy Garland last year? Was it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Number five. And I'm giving them all away because I only know the title. Yeah. Of it. So number five, David. 
Yes, Miss Channing. I feel for you. It's Shaka Khan. Oh, it's a Shaka Khan. Khan. Okay. I that, feel for you. That's the only that's part one I, I don't know that one. Okay. That's the one. Let me talk about I feel for you, Shaka Khan. Let me party because I feel for you. That, that one. It's that one. Number four. Number four. I want to know what love is. <laughs> and I want you to show me. <laughs> <laughs> What do we have? Number three. What's number three? Wake me up before you go, go. I ain't planning on a going solo. <laughs> well, unless it's National Masturbation Month, but. Number two, David. Like a virgin. Hatched <laughs> for the very first time. And number one, I don't know a single lyric from except for the saxophone solo. Mm. Um, it's George Michael, and I don't know how we didn't know he was the queer, honestly. Yeah. Careless Whisper, David. Careless Whisper, that's right. I couldn't sing it either, but that that sax riff is all of the everythings. Yeah. Wow. Honorable mentions, David, if I may quickly. I'm sure. your private dancer, a <laughs> dancer for money. <laughs> also, this may be confusing for people because I do realize how much Carol Channing and Bruce Springsteen sound alike. Born in the USA. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> also, um, I'm just burning doing the neutron dance. Which was that one. Honest to Christ, one of my favorite songs in the history of the world. I fucking love Neutron Dance. I don't want to watch you anymore. I'll just stand here on the dancing floor. Somebody stole my brand new Chevrolet. <laughs> and I work so hard to make it every day. <clears throat> and David, I'm going to offer this one up. And I think you need to record it with your voices of um, Mrs. Garrett and Conrad Bain. Oh dear. <gasps> you know what it is? Is it you don't bring me flowers? Oh no, no, it's not. What did that, I guess that's earlier, isn't it? I don't know. What's, what's this one? We are the world. Our world. world. Oh, our world. Uh, <laughs> we are the world came out this season, David. This year, David. Oh, wow, <laughs> that you was have. huge! That was so wow. huge. I, I just love the fact that it's like, and we're gonna cut away to Michael Jackson, who was not there. He pre recorded his bits and said, Peace out, bitches. Well, and it's like, Bette Midler's there, yeah, <laughs> and. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, you know, the big hottest stars. It's like Bette Midler, Tina Turner, Kenny Loggins. And then it's like LaToya. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. Really? Are the Blues Brothers still a thing in 1985? <laughs> what? It was kind of weird to watch that video. Yeah. yeah. It did take me a while to adjust to some of the Because like, who else was there? It was, uh, you know, Lionel Richie, Bruce Cindy Springsteen. Lauper. 
Cindy Lauper was there. Willie Nelson was there. That's right. Paul Willie Simon Nelson has a solo, doesn't he? Yeah, he and when I need a certain call. <laughs> and yeah, Paul Simon was there. Um, the Pointer shit. Sisters were there. Were they? They did a great documentary about it, and it was fun to like show them recording the backup for the melody like they'd already been singing the melody yeah. and you just see them with all their headphones on and all you hear is ah we're the children ah let's start giving it's like how many of those people were like i've never been a backup singer yeah so. <laughs> oh <laughs> awful <laughs> What else is happening uh, in the world, that's Matthew? It. That's all I've got, David. Okay. That's all I've got bad movies, music, musicals, and people who died. So that is amazing. And you know, I always like to do a deep dive on television, talking about critical darlings, talking about uh, award winners, talking about uh, the battle of the networks, the top 30, the top 20, and uh, all of that stuff. And, uh, we are going to do that, but I'm going to save it for next week. Yeah. And uh, the only teaser I will put out is that with the many, many sweeping changes that uh, come with season seven of The Facts of Life, one of those is it moves to Saturday night now. Yeah. It is now part of the lineup of Give Me a Break and 227, and they rotate some of those shows in and out. But Facts of Life is there and there to stay, along with a brand new show that is about to premiere, The Golden Girls. Uh, Do, can you remember a world before The Golden Girls? Doesn't no. that, does that seem like ancient history? Well, I can't at all because, I mean, you know, we're getting near the year I was born, David. Um, but really? I mean, you, you were we, out of college by now, so probably... I was a junior in high school, dear. Yeah, you said that earlier. I thought you were kidding. Um, so, yeah, I know I don't remember a world without the Golden Girls, but I'm thankful for it, if I'm being honest. <laughs> well, before we get to synopsizing this actual episode, what do I have to do every year, Matthew? Uh, check with Echo and see if I'm right about something. Uh, no. Well, yes, that will eventually happen, I'm sure, as an inevitability. But we're going to talk about the ages of the cast yes, I was every year. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to do that. So beginning, Charlotte Ray now is 59 years old. Ugh, and she is showing every day of it. Oh, stop. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She I'm in my exactly 50s. How dare you? She looks exactly the same. Exactly. She looks exactly the same, which is like somewhere in her late 60s. <laughs> and just as a reminder, all of the ladies on the show have birthdays in April and May. So thankfully, conveniently, they are always one age for the entire taping season. We don't ever have to say, well, gee, this is halfway through. So is Lisa Welchel 22 or 21? They're always one age. So Charlotte Ray is always 59 every episode, season seven. Uh, Lisa Huelchel is now 22, playing Blair Warner, who is 21. So actress 22, character 21. Also 21 is Joe Paul Nacek, 
They are both college juniors now. We are already through two years of Blair and Joe at college, and they are juniors. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, because it's the 80s and they both look 40. So <laughs> it's, I don't know if I'm thinking it's crazy for the same reasons you are, David. But. Yeah, but... As a reminder, Nancy McKeon is two years younger than her character. Nancy McKeon is only 19. Which that blows my fucking mind. Yeah, because she does look 40 and the, the mullet ain't helping. Uh, and I don't mean that as an insult to them. It's just everybody in the 80s looked 40. It's I true. Mean, I think we're aware of how gorgeous I think Lisa Welchel is. So, Oh, yeah, not, totally. That's not an insult to my close personal friend. <laughs> Mindy Cohn is also 19, playing 18 because they de-aged Natalie and Tootie by a year back in season four. Yes, David, that was three years ago. You might want to get the fuck over that. No, not gonna. Just saying. Uh, and Kim Fields is 16, playing Tootie, who is 17. Uh, we know Natalie just graduated. Natalie would have been a uh, college freshman, but we know she's not planning to go to college. And this is Tootie's senior year in high school, senior year at Eastland. And again, looking 35 years old. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Looks like a businesswoman about to go work at Ms. Magazine. In yeah, <laughs> she does. She looks so mature for how young and tiny she was in those early seasons. It's really funny. And lastly, Mackenzie Aston who now has a title credit, actor title card credit in the opening credits. Mackenzie Aston is 12. Oh, and oh, little pumpkin. I know. He's, he's just such a pumpkin. Yeah. And uh, we have reason to assume that the character and he are the same age because last season they referred to him being 11. So, uh, yeah. Um. So are we ready to start talking about the show? I think so. I honestly, it's it for some reason it's very quick. I feel like it this like I started it and it was over and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it it does a lot, it covers a lot. And uh yeah, yeah, our our analysis of it is going to be anything but quick. Let's make that very clear up front. I mean, I just have a few things, you know. <laughs> I'm not I'm not nitpicky, David. Yep, I me just have neither. a few notes. Yeah. I just was thinking when you when you said you're not going to get over their ages, I would like to be in the writer's room when your time machine arrives. Because <laughs> they're going to be sitting there, this fucking time machine's going to land, and out pops David going, how old are these girls? <laughs> uh, what is Mrs. Garrett's fucking job? I... Uh, Spoiler alert, we find out Mrs. Garrett is imperfect in this episode, David. Oh, yes. Yes, we do. And I know oh. that makes you wicked happy. Oh, I was moist. <laughs> I mean, I wish it hadn't blown up in her face like this, but, but it, yeah, I, I was like, mm. Yeah, I know you were you were very, very happy about that. Um, so we we cannot even start the synopsis of the episode without our deep analysis close-up microscopic dissection of our new opening theme new clips um new new song new new recording new arrangement of our beloved theme song we have been listening to the same 
theme, the same recording since season two. And now here we are, and it is the 80s, ladies and gentlemen. There had to be a producer at a meeting that was like, we got to be now. We got to be hip. We got to be 80s. We got to bring this show into the 80s. And yep. this, these were their choices. <laughs> hey, I mean, and they kind of succeeded. Oh, they, they nailed it. <laughs> I think I think so. And this arrangement right here, we have this. You take the good, you take the bad, you take the both. <laughs> I mean, oh. it is, and Gloria Loring, that her, she has got such a great voice. It totally translates. She just adapts a little bit more of a pop, pop, <clears throat> of a pop style of singing to her voice. And she crushes it. She sounds great. I kind of want, I, I need to listen to them back to back because while I was watching, I was like, I wonder if they just put her track over the new background because I, I didn't watch them back to back. So it's like in my head, I didn't really, I can tell you they did not because uh, she gets a little bit uh, uh, florid with her interpretation, Matthew. Does she? Before it was when the world never seems to be living up to your dreams in this one. She goes, to be living up to your dream. She has a little, did a little trill there. Okay. Yeah. All no, right. it's, it's clearly a different vocal performance where she is like, okay, I am mirroring the style in this arrangement. I'm not Good singing this. I'm not that's singing a, this like a fucking organ show tune. That's a technique thing. That's something. Yeah. So we have our new 80s theme song. We have our 80s rock guitar. We have got a new font that has serifs. For people who don't know what a serif is, those are the little feet at the top and the bottom of the letters. Uh, sorry to be font splaining if you do know that, if everyone knows that. And I'm just an arrogant dick that thinks people don't know things like that. Um, but the, the, the clips that they have used now, Somebody smartly said, we have six years worth of clips of these girls. How about we do it almost like a retrospective? We'll start with a clip from season one or two and then progress so that each girl gets, I think, four clips and you get to watch them. You get to look at Mrs. Garrett with her gigantic, almost strawberry blonde red hair in season one. And then you get to see the various, the various shades of red and all that, but you know, with the girls, especially, you you get to watch them grow up before your eyes. And yeah. I love that. Yeah. Now for this in the next two episodes, we do still have the Edna's Edibles as the background of the title card. We don't switch it to over our heads yet. They're waiting for the store no. to open. Yeah, they can't, they, they're not gonna blow their load on the first episode, David. Nope, nope. Keeping it close <laughs> to the vest, not gonna show the hand. Nope. Um, yeah, and, and it's kind of funny because I remember watching this when it first aired, showing us that Edna's Edibles logo, thinking, you know, projecting the idea that everything is okay, and that when the show starts, this is what you're going to see. Yeah, 
Yeah. Did, did not prepare us for the devastation, did they? No, I was not prepared at all. And yes. I have a note about that later on. Okay. Uh, one of the Mrs. Garrett clips bothers me. And it's a clip from the interview show. And the problem is the interview show, she's sitting at one of those little cafe tables talking to that reporter. And because of that, the sight line is close. So she looks like she's cross-eyed. And it's like, oh, it's a good picture of her. It's good. It's a good framing, flattering, good facial expression. But because she's looking at something closer her face than she ever typically would in the rest of the series, she does look like she's a little cross-eyed. And you're like, wait, what? Oh, okay. Oh, I have to look again. I didn't really notice that. Yeah. And there's also a plethora of new group clips, which I love. We have the original Mrs. Garrett going down the line, presenting the girls to Howard at the beginning of season two, as far as his new kitchen help. Uh, we have the four girls in the bathroom in season three, all huddled around the mirror. We have them laughing at Natalie's broken brainwave conductor on her study hat from Take My Finals, Please, my favorite episode. You have no idea, David, how difficult it is to like find that hat oh yeah i was going to like i did some serious searching because i was like this would be a perfect gift for david this fucking hat oh what do you what do you google baseball yeah. hat with lightning bolts lightning go ahead bolt. go ahead try yeah i'll you get wait <laughs> everything but everything but i'm sure i just wonder if like mindy cohen has that hat Oh my God. Or it was so unimportant. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, here's the hat. And it, yeah, it has to be sitting somewhere in an NBC vault. I feel like, <laughs> like, like in a crate in the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark when they yeah. wheel it away. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody knows where that hat is, if you can find it on eBay, please tell us. We will pay upwards of $10 for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another clip of the girls when the group of them sit together in the condo at Fort Lauderdale, when they're looking at the map, it's adorable. The four of them yes. in a little clump and all just shoom, fall down. Uh, and then another one I had asked and uh, wondered about them singing in the car in the cruising episode, them singing, you've lost that loving feeling, uh, which is one of my favorite visuals, one of my favorite moments of the show. That's great. And then we get to uh, Mackenzie Aston's credit. And then at the very, very end, the final clip as we go, facts of life. That was my Liza Minnelli version. Uh, it's the clip of them in the ugly ass sound booth at the college fucking radio station. It's the point at the very end of the episode when they're celebrating that they've come to the end of this time they had to fill and the Star Spangled Banner is playing and Nancy McKeon is awkwardly and clumsily waving her hands like she's conducting the music, but not looking good while she's doing it because she clearly ain't a musician. And it's like, okay, at least Charlotte Ray is in that clip. You notice Charlotte Ray is not in the other clips. Yeah. So I get that we did need to have something with, oh, the star of the show in it. But it's like, why couldn't it have been the one of them sitting around the dinner table like they did last season? Like there, uh, there are so many better clips of the group of them. How is there not a point where they all come in for a group hug? Because they're not the Golden Girls. 
You're right. You're totally right. <laughs> but the one with, with the, the arm around Betty White's neck. Exactly. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah. So this is our new theme song. It sounds different and looks different. And we haven't even gotten to the fact that uh, we're about to burn down Edna's edibles and do this over our head thing. Like it's, it's jarring. Yeah. But yeah. And then at the top of the show, we have music at the top of the show, which we will now have at the top of every show from here to the end of the series and credits and credits at the top of the show developed by Howard Leeds, Ben Starr, Jerry Mayer, created by Dick Clare and Jenna McMahon, written by whoever and directed by whoever. Four credits at the top of the show and that they will continue to do as well. Just interesting why that is like that, that used to be at the, in other places who said, you know what, we need to, you know, we, 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 we want to tell them ahead of time who wrote it, as opposed to here's the end of the episode. These are the people responsible for what you just had to watch. Yeah. You know, this episode, by the by, written by Paul Haggis, my favorite. That was ironic. This is the eighth out of the 13 episodes that he pens for the show before he goes off to become an Oscar winning writer director for the motion pictures and our director, John Boab. Same again, he will be around for quite some time this season and next season. And uh, the only other credit at the end of the show that we do need to point out is that there is a new costume designer in town at the uh, Facts of Life, Matthew. And doesn't Blair look amazing? Don't they all look amazing? Yeah. Everybody looks so much more put together. Yeah. Like these are 80s-tastic, but they're the, the only thing you could fault them for is being of their time. There's nothing here where you go, that is so fucking ugly and unflattering. Everything here looks really, really good. Again, everybody looks 45. That was the style. That was the style. But our dear close personal friend, Diana Eden, welcome. We will be referencing you many, many times. And who knows? Maybe we might try to get her on the show or get some... Uh, commentary or input from her when we do an episode that has some special costumey stuff going on. <sighs> I'm exhausted. We haven't even started the fucking show yet, Matthew. No, honey. So, shall we get into the synopsis? The actual, real, like, fade in. <laughs> could we, David? <laughs> could, could we, please, Matthew? I've been dragging this train for. <laughs> An hour and a half. Oh, speaking of trains, it starts on a train, David. Yes, it does. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting thing where we've got Tootie on the train and she's all high strung and worried that the girls aren't going to make it because they're, for some reason, supposed to meet on this train to go back to Peekskill, even though Tootie lives in D.C. And Natalie and Blair live in Manhattan, and Joe would, I imagine, actually be riding to school on her own bike because that's her transportation. Come to think of it, Blair has a fucking car. Yeah. Why are they on a train, Matthew? Uh, now, that was my question. And I know that people in the Northeast are always like, oh, I just jump on the train from 
from Scranton to Washington, D.C. Yeah. So I've never been in a city where jumping on a train was something normal. So I don't know if maybe that train is in has stopped in New York from D.C. to Peekskill. Yeah, you could so, you could justify it that the 2D is the first one on because it's a it's a D.C train and that does kind of sort of make sense a little bit when you take away the fact that Blair has her own car and access to a private jet by the way yeah where they could technically fly like she could just fucking pick them up um so we the fact that Blair and Joe have their own transportation already why would they be on a train with all of their belongings for an entire year of school. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I mean, cause they know where they live. So they've got their house. So it was just like, I did. I, my first thing was who gave 2D the exposition for God's sake. Yeah. She's just this whole, like speaking out to no one. Just to for the sake of exposition, I'm sorry, lazy writing, Paul Haggis. Mm. There's a lot of lazy writing in this first paragraph of dialogue that they've got. Yeah, because it's the kind of sort of talking to yourself. They do justify it, though, because there is a guy. Tootie is trying to save seats for them and make sure they can all sit together on the train. But there is this guy in a suit with a newspaper, a commuter who is there and there is kind of a sense of him periodically weighing in with a sort of like, Oh, I thought you were talking to me. Who the fuck are you talking to that? It's that I thought helped justify it a little tiny bit. I, but, but I mean like lazy writing, like it's almost like we moved to a new night. So we need to explain literally who every character is. Oh, again. Yes. Each character starts talking a bit about what she did over the summer and then they cut to her bestie and you hear their thought balloon. Yeah. So this is so Blair shopping. She's so rich. She's a socialite. This is so Blair. You're right. I never She'll thought of this. You're so death. right. Oh, and- Joe, going on about kids again and all of her, uh, all of her do good social work and stuff, which is like, really? Is that Joe? Okay. Right. It is now. Apparently, apparently. apparently yeah. But yeah, it's true. I never thought of it that way, that this was a let's kind of reintroduce them in case this is the first time anyone's tuning into the show. Blair even says, I can't believe this is my seventh year at Eastland. You're right. You're so right. (laughs) That's right. We've been on for six years before this, bitches. (laughs) But she looks great. And we have the proverbial joke that we had at the beginning of last season, too. Mm -hmm. Blair having too much luggage. Comedy evergreen. <laughs> she just never not so, funny. She's so good at it, though. By she now, is she, <laughs> she really is? He Joe sets her up, and she goes, "Well, at least I didn't need three porters." And she goes, three She hands money to the porter following her, and then she goes, "Give that to the other two Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just fucking love Lisa Welch, and she looks great. Oh my god, that her hair blue. is massive. Her hair is epic. It needs a building permit. Lisa Welchel's hair has never, ever been this big and teased up and amazing. It's so 80s-tastic. And while we're on the subject of hair, 
there are minor changes to Tootie and Natalie. Joe is uh, Joe has taken her soccer mom and cut it shorter, so it's it's really in full mullet mode here, where it's it's you know long in the top, short in the sides, length in the back, and and Joe has got. I mean, her stand-up comedy act must be freaking hilarious because of the the rolled up sleeves and the skinny tie and the shoulder pads. It's like, you know, Jerry Seinfeld watched this and went, hey, that's a look that I should wear. Yeah. I think Paula Poundstone watched and said, oh, she's just missing a vest. (laughs) That was that was my Paula Poundstone. (laughs) Which was infinitely better than my Jerry Seinfeld. (laughs) So my question for you is, and this is, well, I feel like Tootie feels like she's had a very major look change because she's trying to get them to mention her hair. And she says, well, finally, when they do, she's like, I just told my hair guy, Mr. Jeff. Really? Your boyfriend's name is Jeff. We could come you. up with a different name for your. Thank you. Your In my son. notes. Yeah. Mr. Jeff, really? Couldn't have and been she, Percy or anyway. Right? anyway. Roberto. Um, but. Um, she's really hitting, and I was like thinking to myself, it doesn't look that different. No, it? <laughs> it it's a little bit fluffier. She they've kind of poofed it up a little bit more, but the cut, the actual cut itself, looks like it's probably the same as yeah. it was last season. It's just they hadn't put as much moose in it. So Natalie says, um, um, they just they're just talking about what they did over the summer. Yeah, because um, they didn't talk. Nobody made a phone call for two months. They have been completely all four of them cut off from all of the others and and, Mrs. Garrett. And keeping in mind that they were in Fort Lauderdale for a weekend and wrote Mrs. Garrett a letter. (laughs) (laughs) But somehow over summer, it's like, I don't want to see your fucking face or hear your fucking voice. Yeah. Um, Blair so- can afford those nights and weekend minutes that, you know, calling MCI like Joan Rivers used to say in those commercials because it saves you money over AT&T. Thank God. Oh, remember that shit, David. I'm going to worry about I'll call you after nine. Okay. Yeah, I have to plan my freaking Ugh, the worst. Um, so um, Blair went shopping. Yeah. And Joe worked at a camp for kids. Mm hmm. Natalie Um, worked. She didn't say what she did, but she said she made a mint because she earned how much money, Matthew? She this is my favorite line. What did you? She goes, I made $6.50 an hour. Doing what? Who cares? It was $6.50 an hour. (laughs) Like, I almost wonder, was she like a dominatrix in New York or something? Like, 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 never mind. Shut up. Get away from me, kid. You bother me. Um, (laughs) She made $6.15 an hour, David, which is almost twice the amount of um, um, minimum wage in 1985. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. But however, just to show you how minimum wage hasn't changed much over fucking 40 years, Mm -hmm. um, in 2021, $6.15 is $16.13 an hour which is what minimum wage should be. Right. But it's in fact, half of that. Yeah. Yeah. So crazy. You're welcome. Um, and this is the, stepping down off of our liberal soapboxes here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but Natalie is happy. And I'm actually very happy with Natalie's narrative that she worked all summer. She um, 
worked 40 hours a week and overtime, meaning she was making time and a half on top of that. Uh, and with that, she had saved enough money to fund her Europe trip, which is her, I want to travel before I go to college, which does track with how we ended last season with Natalie not accepting, was it Princeton? That yes. she could have gone to Princeton. Yeah. And she says, no, I want to take some time off. And I applaud her for that. Uh, but yeah, so it's great because there was this whole thing of the mother not supporting her financially and all that. So it's good to know that there was this sense of I needed to work, make the money, and now I can travel. And then, yeah. So Natalie goes on quite a bit about this Europe trip. And three months is the length of the trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I did you did you write down the name of the actor that was sitting on the train with them? Because honestly, um, I looked him up and he has had a fucking amazing career. Armin Shimmerman is his name. He was the principal on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He was a regularly appearing judge on Boston Legal, a fuck ton of cartoon video game and voiceover credits. He's still working today, 204 credits in a 42-year career. Motherfucker is working. <laughs> Damn. Also, also known as Quark on um, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Yes, that's right. And, and, and the next generation, too. Didn't yeah. he play it on two different yeah. series? Yes, he did. But the deal is, he is funny. He has, like, what, four lines? And he crushes they're well written they're well timed yeah. and uh the the one line that i love is at the beginning and there's this moment that duty's like okay sit down girls i saved our seats and this is a complete stranger and they sit down and it's like ah, well so what did you do last summer awkward pause and he goes I got fired and they're like, shut up. Who asked you? But there was this sense of, well, well no one's going to say, I, am I supposed to talk? And yeah. he was magnificent. Very Dan Castellaneta, wouldn't you say? Yes. Yes. Very. They could have played brothers back yeah. in the eighties. I don't know what he looks like now. Well, I mean, they both look older now, but that was the type like you, Dan Castellaneta might've been in that audition room reading for that part. Uh, so, yeah, the train is basically setting up what they did over the summer that they haven't spoken to each other, even though they're best friends and fucking have lived together for the last however many, six, six seven years. And uh, anyhow, the scene fades out and it's a slow fade. Did you notice? It's a slow fade. There's a little sense of something's coming. And then we slow fade in to what used to be Edna's edibles. And the audience sighing, the audience going, oh. Oh. Like, how did they get, like, obviously there was somebody standing up there with a sign that held up and said, <laughs> everybody go, oh. Because they'd seen the set, obviously. Yeah. It's not like it was like the curtain opened. And exactly. They did. I don't know. It it's had to have been dubbed in later or they just prepped the audience in the pre-show and said, OK, you know, when we first come into the scene, it's going to be sad. So how about everybody give us a oh, OK, yeah. let's make it a little bit quieter now. They probably just coached the audience. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was the same response I had, you know, when I was watching this from my crib the first time. 
Oh, your, your crib in 1985? Mm-hmm. hmm Yeah. You still able to fit in your crib when you were how old? How, how, how dare you? How, how dare you, David? David Almeida. <laughs> oh, you dirty bastard. Um, so they walk in, and I, I don't know why they're making Blair an idiot right off the bat. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because Lisa Welchel makes it funny and her delivery's great. There, a fire. There was a fire. Oh here. my God. And they're like, yeah, we can tell. But her 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 deadpan delivery, like she's really trying to convince them. Lisa Welchel's choices, once again, mm-hmm. just naturally fucking brilliant. There was a fire. There was a fire. <laughs> uh, so anyway. Then we see Mrs. Garrett now for the first time yeah. this season. Uh, she's looking very smart in a sweater vest and a matching tie. And uh, the first words are like, oh, Mrs. Garrett. And her first words, girls, I tried to call. Did you? Well, that first two problems, first of all. Oh, only um, two. Okay. I want to hear this. Well, Go. my first one is you've just walked into a fire scene and you see Mrs. Garrett alive. You're not going to hug her. You're not going to run to her and be like, what the fuck happened? And we're like, so sorry. Yeah, oh, my, oh God. my God. Thank God you're here and alive and we can see you. But my question is, when did this fire happen? Well, okay, you and I are on the same page because I'm like, this train ride, if if Tootie was coming from DC and picking up the girls along the way in NYC, that's an hour. Peekskill is about an hour outside of the city by train. That has been established and that is true. So she, she tried to, you couldn't have called them at 6 a.m., you don't think that that was worth a, I might have to get somebody out of bed Well, she went to the store, she said. She said she went to the store, and when I came back, the fire was already out. Yeah, the day before. She said, I went to the store the day, I mean, because it was during the daytime. She said, yeah, she was gone for two hours, and the fire was already out when she got back. So I'm like, bitch, what time did you go to the store that you couldn't have called one of the girls? And said, I know you don't talk to each other over the summer, but could you make an exception and tell them they don't have a home anymore? Uh, it, it's, uh, well, you still didn't answer when the fire happened. Yesterday. How do you, does she, I don't think she says yesterday I went to the store. Well, let's go to the transcript. I'm going to go to subslikescripts.com, who is not a partner of the podcast and are not a paid sponsor, but I am just really happy that they're there for moments like this. Let me see. I went out shopping yesterday. When I came back two hours later, the fire was already over. Thank God no one was here. The only real damage was to the kitchen. So, yeah. So, um, Mrs. Garrett, I'm calling bullshit. And, and we also do have the thing of who was it on a recent episode? God, I can't remember which one of my guests it was who said, so wait a minute, you're saying Charlotte Ray wanted to leave the series by this time. So do we not know if Mrs. Garrett may have been the one who set the fire? I tried to call you. 
Did you? Did you? Really? Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. But Matthew, mm-hmm. I mentioned Mrs. Garrett's clothing. Mm-hmm. What did we notice about her hair? Oh God, is the balloon knot back, David? Matthew. What? The balloon knot is gone. Is this it? this is the season where Charlotte Ray finally has cut her hair. And what it is is the length, it's like below a little bit below the shoulders, but they're able to take it and twist it and put it up. And so it looks kind of like it always does. Okay, because I was I didn't notice the difference in her hair. It's it's hard to you have to be looking for it. It's just more of a, you know, they've arranged the curl there, but it's not like this. We have all this fucking length we have to arrange somehow because we've got Uh, a 60 year old woman with hair down to her ass down to her balloon knot if you will (laughs) (laughs) but um but here's the deal girls i tried to call you uh, or i uh, you know i tried to apparently i tried to call but i failed but you know who i did get through to my insurance adjuster yeah there's a fucking dude there walking around with a clipboard it's like okay so you didn't set the fire yet you didn't call the girls, but you're like, I need an insurance claim file. David, we have a whole other show. Obviously, Mrs. Garrett was under investigation with the narcotic people of, uh, and she had to burn the whole business down or go yes. to prison for pushing marijuana on high school kids at Eastland. And so she was able to lay low as the owner of dispensers gifts, which initially she does not want. She was thinking she might go to school full time and or travel. Yeah, she wants to be clean. She wants to go clean. Yep. But you know what? She tries to lay low for a year. They're still catching up to her. And that's why it's like, oh, uh, I'm going to get married and join the Peace Corps again. Peace out. She's going to disappear is what she's going to exactly. do. Exactly. I think she went into the witness protection program and <laughs> they had to, like, she's like, I'm, I got, I'm going to the Peace Corps. Now she's living in Scottsdale, Arizona on an Indian reservation and they call her um, balloon with knot. <laughs> uh, the, the only yes and I can add to that story is that it's because she ratted out her supplier. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, she, it's, yeah. She had to burn it down and all that. And then she, she cooperated with the feds, with the DEA. But at what risk, Edna Garrett? Mm-hmm. At mm-hmm. what risk? So back to our uh, synopsis here. Um, Mrs. Garrett is chipper. No one was hurt. No one was hurt. And uh, it's the, the, they, what happened? What happened? It started somewhere in the kitchen, somewhere neutral and nondescript and stop asking so many fucking questions. (laughs) You got here before I could split. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) The goddamn train ran early. And and how do they get from the train to the store? The the train, we don't hear the fucking train go. what's, What's that about? Do they take a cab? that Blair paid for, but uh, anyway. Um, so yeah, 
but it's like, well, mostly the kitchen's damaged. And she's like, and out here and the living room and the bedroom and yeah. And the insurance man says, uh, the insurance policy will reimburse the girls for their possessions that they've lost, but they do have to either present receipts or make a list. So Mrs. Garrett tries to be positive and chipper. Nobody was hurt. Nobody was hurt. It'll all be all right. And they go up to their room to see what's going on. And Mrs. Garrett is left alone with the insurance adjuster. By the way, actor named Roger Doki, D-O-Q-U-I. And he played Sergeant Reed in RoboCop 1, 2, and 3, Matthew. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. 127 credits in a 33-year career. Another working character actor, many cartoon voices, voiceovers. And unfortunately, he's no longer with us. He passed away in 2008, but worked right up until the end. He has a credit in 2007. So, um, yeah. So when Mrs. Garrett turns to him after shouting after the girls, it will be all right. She turns to him and says, do you think they bought it? And he looks at her and tries to reassure her and says, I did. Mm. And then they leave. And then tell, tell us about this next moment, Matthew. Uh, Charlotte Ray being her Charlotte Ray best. My beautiful. I was a mess. <laughs> <laughs> she, she turns, she starts to cry. And then we have our sad 80s saxophone transition music to punctuate the moment. But uh, yeah, it's it's really nice to have this moment where she's being all cheerful for the sake of the girls. But you give her this moment alone and she does break down. And that's that's really nice and so true. So right for the character, really. Yeah. Then we're up in the bedroom. The girls are trying to go through their stuff. Everything is damaged. Blair's New Yorker poster is there. We've been tracking that poster all the way back to Eastland. And uh, I think this may be the last time we see it. I think it's officially dead here. Um, Joe can't find her denim jacket. And uh, Natalie's photo album is melted. Tootie's trying to be chipper and positive. And then in response to Tootie saying everything's going to be all right, Blair holds up a stuffed animal and says, tell it to the frog. You can't, can you? That's because he hasn't got a face, Tootie. So uh, Blair having an important stuffed animal, frog, uh, was that ever a thing? Did I, did I miss something, Matthew? No. No. Yeah. Apparently it's, it's now a thing. But only for this episode. Exactly. So we're getting into full on 1980s only for whatever given episode is when we we get things. Yeah. So uh, right before we go to commercial is 2D helping uh, 2D's using a dustpan and cleaning off the desk. It's it does seem like a pretty uh, futile attempt. And they're like, what are you doing? She's like, this is our home. And then Joe says, take a look around 2D. And we have this wide shot of them kind of implying we ain't got a home anymore. Oh. 
God. My girls. <laughs> My beautiful, beautiful girls. So then after commercial break, we're still in the bedroom. We're kind of following that moment. And we get Andy in He Comes. Mm-hmm. He is wearing uh, a button-down Oxford shirt. He is wearing blue jeans and has a blue sweater tied around his shoulders. <laughs> oh, is there is that really a thing? I I don't know. I don't remember yes or no if it was a thing in school, but it was in every John Hughes movie. Yeah. It was it, it might be a trope. It might be a thing that never really existed in real life, but I fucking love it so much. It makes me so damn happy. Yeah, I don't uh, know how many people are walking around in real life like that. Yeah. How do you put a coat on over a sweater that's tied around your thing? And it, okay. So you don't want to wear the sweater. Why? Because you're going to be too warm, but having it on your back and tied around your shoulders isn't going to make you just as hot. Shouldn't you tie it around your waist? But anyway, fa- fashion does not know logic, Matthew. No, it doesn't. So, Andy, I'm sorry. No, he walks in and he wants a group hug. Group hug. And Mackenzie Aston, he's still very young here. He's still a little bit, a little bit green, but he comes in and he says, I rushed right over. And he holds out his arms and says, come to Andy. And then we have a reaction shot of the girls like, uh, and and it's a laugh. And then perfectly timed as a follow-up to him putting out his arms, he moves his fingers like, come here. Like, I, I, you need to come here. And so the girls are like, okay. And they go in for this awkward group hug. <laughs> it's like, okay, he needs the hug to feel better. Clearly we don't. <laughs> oh, I would have hugged him. Oh, God, he's, he's precious. He's, that's the note I have. I said precious little Andy. He is. I love him. And I, I'm so happy I do like him that he's not a Kelly or a fucking Pippa. Yeah. That yeah. would be awful. And uh, so he offers to help them start making the list of things that they've lost. So they, they're still in their, clo- their travel clothes. Got yeah. off the train, shot burnt down. Let's go upstairs. Digging around the room. Let's start making this list that the guy downstairs just asked us to do. No sooner does I have, Mrs. Garrett, knock, knock, walks in. He's wondering if you have that list yet. I'm like, my notes say, are you fucking kidding me? It's, 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 that's like, that takes weeks. If your house burns down and you have to, you have to make a list of every item you own. They start to wonder where they're going to stay. Yeah. And- yeah. The, finally, this, the, some logical, logistical, uh, common sense questions are finally coming out. And uh, yeah, what, what do they, what do they land on? Well, Andy offers that he said, you can stay with me. And Joe says, um, I don't, you think your parents are okay with that? So Andy does have parents. Yeah. You don't have room. Your parents. Yeah. So there is talk of Andy's parents. True. We yeah. have to track this when Andy becomes orphaned. Now, if they'd had Andy's parents in the shop when it burned down, they could have killed two birds or technically three birds with one stone. And they could have had the store burned down and Andy orphaned. I, 
I really think that would have been a better way to go, Paul Haggis. That's going in the time machine. That would have been a, a pretty deep cut, I think. <laughs> to, to start a <clears throat> start that one out. Her Andy, my parents are dead. <laughs> and Mrs. Garrett, my beautiful oh, shop. <laughs> so where do they decide they're gonna stay? Well, um, Tootie says she wants to stay here. Natalie, I don't know what we get out of her. Natalie's like, um, well, peace out. I'll take off early. I'll start my Europe trip now. Um, and and the whole episode, Tootie is guilting Natalie like she's slapping her in the face. She's going to be gone for three months doing something she loves that every person should experience. And why they're doing this shit of, well, Natalie's going off and abandoning us. It's like, fuck you. She's actually earned her own way. She just, ugh. I, hate I think that. that fits in with Tootie's selfish character, though. Yes, and I'm saying I hate it. Just oh, going on record. All right. Yes. Um, Joe says she's going to bunk at the dorm because apparently you can just show up at this dorm if you remember the one she got kicked out of mm-hmm. <laughs> and suspended for, <laughs> um, for staying in somebody else's bunking, if you will, at Blair's house. And Blair says, well, I'm going to the Hyatt. <laughs> yeah. Just, just you. You're, you're gonna yeah. put yourself up in a hotel. <laughs> you goddamn millionaire, Blair. You're not gonna be like, all right. Let me put everybody up at the Hyatt, or at least the Motel Six. Yeah, or- <laughs> the Howard Johnsons. Fucking a Blair. Okay, exactly for themselves. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't offer to spring to put everybody up in the hotel, including Mrs. Garrett. Or hey, just. To go back, not to keep harping on the same shit over and over again. You know, I don't like to do that typically, Matthew. Oh. But uh, why didn't Blair just buy a fucking house at the beginning of season five when she decided she didn't want to stay at Gamma Gamma? Because then she wouldn't be with the girls. But the girls could live with her. Blair could have bought the house next door or the block or the whole fucking city. You know, it's like. Is it not enough, David, that in the last episode of the series, she buys Eastland, for uh, God's sake? But you can't. <laughs> Is that not enough for you? you? You couldn't offer to let everyone sleep in your limousine or your private jet? I feel like your your obsession with Lisa Welch's money is is unhealthy and weird to me, David. Um, I feel like you should just back off my friend a little bit. Oh, oh would she be upset, you think? Did she, did she see anything? Like, oh my God, she's not, is she mad at me? She wants you to realize that this is a character. This is not Lisa. So, yeah. separate. This is a writing issue. Let I me mean, make it very, very clear to your close personal friend, Lisa Welchel. This is no diss to her. Thank you. I'll tell her. I'll tell her. Okay. Because I don't want her, if I don't want her to be mad at me. Um, Here's a crazy thing. Tootie wants to say, it's like, Tootie, you you go to a boarding school. You could yeah. go back to Blair could buy a house and Joe could live with her or Joe could go to the dorms, though we do have the issue of Joe and scholarship and money. Um, Tootie could live at the dorm and Natalie could go hit the road and Mrs. Garrett will sleep among the rubble and the ruins. Everyone's right. taken care of. Yeah. Fuck her. Fuck her. Fuck the redhead. Yeah. About her. <laughs> so mrs garrett comes in asking do you have this list yeah. and 
Tootie's like, Mrs. Garrett, we're going to get this place in shape. And it's like, so I'm, I'm going to assume that the, how are you? What are you going to do? What can we do to help you? I'm assuming those are implicit because they're not explicit in the lines or anything. Yeah. These awful, selfish girls who just treat Mrs. Garrett like shit. So this the, the, the insane lack of empathy or compassion or, or support directed towards Mrs. Garrett is just beyond disturbing. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. It, yeah. I don't think anybody's asked her how she's doing. Yeah. No, no one. They've never even touched her or hugged her. They haven't even had a hand on a shoulder. Mm -mm. So in response to Tootie saying, we're going to get this place back up into shape, like, you know, we're going to bring it all back. Mrs. Garrett responds that she's tired. And she said that it kind of took over her life. And right now, the prospect of going back to school full time or even starting to travel again, travel again did she travel a lot was she a world traveler among all the other the, she was in the peace corps before we ever met her doesn't she say she goes back to, she met somebody you're right she yeah. she mentioned that in the interview show she did yeah. um or maybe start traveling again now she, she doesn't talk about how she's going to earn a living it's not like she has a whole bunch of savings or whatever she had to work to keep the store going but um so with that, she says, come on, Andy, we've got work to do. So Andy leaves in a weird, dramatic. Andy walks out, gets to the door, turns back and looks at them and then exits. It's a little yeah. dramatic. Yeah, that was dramatical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, as far as an artistical choice, I didn't hate it. It was just, okay, wow. Uh, but it was there to punctuate what Tootie then says out loud that, She's like, I don't buy it. Mrs. Garrett's lying. She's more devastated than she's letting on. And you know what? Let's give her some time, work it out. Let's certainly not ask her how she's doing or offer to support her in any way. But if she doesn't eventually change her mind, then we can all go our separate ways. Let's, um, let's not ask her how she's doing. Let's not offer any support. Let's call her a liar. Yeah. <laughs> Because if there's one thing that bitch has done over the years, it is fucking lie her fucking tits off. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's saying, if Mrs. Garrett doesn't come around to my way of thinking, then we'll, we'll discuss other options. Yeah. Probably more like if I don't nag her into it just to shut yeah. me the fuck up. Because Tootie is just mm. so... Tootie's a lot in this episode. Tootie yeah. is a lot. So then in our final scene of the episode, we are in the store, the store, the shop still burnt to a crisp. Blair has got a little bucket of water where she's trying to soak and squeeze out this frog because uh, the frog is important, Matthew. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. It's yeah. very important. But then she looks at it and says, I never even gave you a name. Yeah. So it's not important, important. I would like to say that they've kept their set designer from last season because this scene shows you very well that the person who designed the mall set from mm -hmm. the episode where Natalie's not going to college obviously was in charge of um, building the city set outside Edna's Edibles. Oh, I really wasn't even paying attention to oh that. Oh my God, the flat wall that says bakery on it. And it's it's fucking forced perspective. 
pull up what you just saw. It's that scene where you can really see it behind it. <laughs> it literally looks like a high school production is going on behind Ed Mazzetti. Yeah, there's a, uh, yeah, and there's a, yeah, and you're right. And there's bakery across the Why the fuck is there a bakery across from Edna's Edibles? They're a bakery. <laughs> But yeah, oh, it is so bad. You see like a, a fire escape and yeah, it's it's pretty bad. I did not notice that till you pointed it out. Clearly just a, just a painted flat. Joe's walking in and she goes, um, please don't come through the, the window. Yeah. It just brought, draws attention to the fact that we don't have one. Joe does that great bit. Oh, I'll save. Oh, this is a looter's paradise. I'll save him. Don't throw that basket out. And perfect comedy timing. Natalie walks in. Can you believe what the fireman left outside? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love her. It was very funny. And uh, one of the reasons why we have Joe enter this scene and not already be there is that she reports to Blair that the dorms are booked up. Yeah. So the dorms are booked up. She can't go and stay at college. Uh, They are dressed differently. It's a different day. Hint, hint. I will. um, Yeah, it's a different day. And now she's saying that the dorm is. is, Yeah. So she didn't go to the dorms yesterday. I mean, to sleep on the street, Joe. Yeah. Where did they? Where did any of them sleep? Did they all just bunk on the floor among the charred remains? Blair went to the Hyatt. Yeah, clearly. And she put on two Oxford shirts with teddy bear print. Two shirts in two different colors, layered. And it looks amazing. If you would just mention to her that I really like that outfit. So she's, I mean, she's blonde and she's got gorgeous skin tone. She's always going to look good in a jewel town. She's yep. always going to look good in a jewel town. So true. So true. <laughs> so then to further confuse our timeline, Judy and Natalie. Uh, come in and they've got some shopping bags with them and no sooner they get there mrs garrett comes in oh girls i got the checks from the insurance company for all your possessions uh what what (laughs) this is this the next day because joe is going to the dorm but uh, an insurance company processed refund checks for a claim Within 24 hours? I'm just saying the FBI was pushing them. Yeah, that's because... that's what it's got to be. The government got involved. They totally sh- did. When they say to Natalie and Tootie, so w- where have you been anyway? New York City. Yeah. What, you mean that big fucking deal of a train ride we had to endure at the beginning of the episode? Now you just casually toss off that you popped back down to the city and here. Uh, thank God, you know, because we didn't need any help with cleaning up or putting plywood up over the absent window so that nobody wanders in. It's like there was kind of some shit to be done here, ladies, but you just went off on a shopping spree. Yeah. What the shit? In the city you just spent all summer in, Natalie? (sighs) Yeah. But their reasoning for it is that they decided they wanted to go in to see what was really hot what was really trendy. Mm. And so they pull out of their shopping bag, a lamp with a hamburger on it, <laughs> a Diana Ross clothes hanger, mm-hmm. a keychain with a beeper on it that is 
activated when you clap twice. So you never lose it. To this day, David, when I can't find my keys, I always in my head think, oh, no, I've lost my keys. What (laughs) shall I do? I guess I'll clap. It runs through my head every time I lose my keys. And that's Kim Fields fucking being awesome because it's Tootie pretending to be a bad actress. Yeah. By the way, um, she asked her if she pays for a Diana Ross hanger. She goes, you paid for that? And the, the joke, she used to have backup hangers, but now she hangs alone. Um, <laughs> hilarious in 85. Um, but she says she pays $14.95 for it. Today, that would be $37 for a fucking <laughs> for Diana Ross hanger. Clothes hanger. So it's like, well, what? And there is kind of a, what the fuck are you going on? What is this shit? Yeah. And so- they say we were thinking of a store that would be a trendy cards, gifts, and whatnot store. Each of them would be responsible for a different department. Blair would be responsible for fashion. Joe would be responsible for, I guess, the gadgets. That's when she presents the keychain. Um, and she says, Mrs. Garrett, what do you do when you're upset or when you need to think about something? You bake. There'd be just one small corner with a few stools. You can just make cookies whenever you feel like it. And Mrs. Garrett, who has been like, I don't want to open another store. Only one corner. And then. Because taking care of a corner of a store would far outweigh me wanting to travel or yeah. go back to school. Yeah. <laughs> it's. Ugh. That's so what's going to keep me in peak skill. This yeah. corner. <laughs> So then it does come up. Well, wait a minute. What's Natalie going to do? And she's like, "Uh, I'm going to Europe. Peace out, bitches. And Tootie's like, she will do it after she sets up the greeting cards. And Natalie's kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mrs. Garrett says, thank you. But the truth is, I don't want another business. I haven't got the heart to rebuild. And I haven't got the money. They're like, but but the insurance, they they reimbursed us 24 hours. You don't have a pile of money sitting in a box somewhere that they brought to you. And she says it wasn't enough. And uh, in, in weird, beautifully nebulous 1980s sitcom verbiage, I never updated my policy. Never updated my, it's like, You've only been open for two years. What in your policy would need to be updated that wouldn't have been covered in the initial underwriting of the, I I don't get that. And you are a business. So there's a certain amount of insurance that you are required to have. Thank you. I, I don't get it. And, and it's, it, it, it's like, so you didn't update, but your, your policy still covered the loss of the girl's goods, but it doesn't cover the loss of your fucking stove in a bakery. No. Uh, it, it's very, very weird. But um, Blair does say, well, could you get a loan? And Mrs. Garrett's like, look at my collateral, as she indicates all of the detritus around her. And of course, I'm like, Blair asking, could you get a loan? It's like, yeah, Blair, or you could write her a fucking check for all the things she's done for you. Thank you. Yeah. And, and new questions still. Look at my collab, get a loan to rebuild it. 
She doesn't own the building. Her son owns the building. She's a tenant. She is um, paying her son rent. Why is Raymond not here? Why is this even a thing? Why would it be on them? She would be with the insurance guy to recoup the losses of what was hers inside the business. Well, maybe they are talking about that. Maybe they are. Maybe that's what they're talking about. Rebuilding as in, you know, fixing it up and all that. But the fact of the matter is it would have to be done in conjunction with the landlord because it's damage to the landlord's property. He would have a claim too to fix the structure, but they would need to replace their equipment for running their business. It's like, what? wait a minute, why is the burden of all of this on Mrs. Garrett and her piddly little policy? <laughs> Don't get it. I wonder if these questions came up. If, like when Charlotte Ray read the script, she was like, Y'all know this is was a gift from my son. <laughs> Sorry. And didn't Paul Haggis write that script? Uh, no, he wasn't there yet. He came in last um, season. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I just I just was confused as to why two college students, two full-time college students, and one high school student were so adamant about running a business, like opening up like again. That begs the question that you ask all the time, who's mining the store? Mm-hmm. But because, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like- No, you're right. Like- and, and the thing is, the, the thing that gets it even more that is continually confusing as the show progresses, I've been saying from the beginning, what are the parameters of this arrangement that they have whereby the girls work and live there and are fed there And what is the long-term plan for when the girls eventually are going to fly the coop, i.e. Natalie is going off and going to go travel. So why does Natalie live there still? (laughs) Why why does Natalie have any connection to peak skill whatsoever? Why didn't she just stay in New York, work the summer, and then leave from New York? She's going to have to take the train back to New York to get her flight out of the fucking country. Natalie should not be here. For the second day in a row, she's got to go back to New York. I know. <laughs> she just came to Peekskill from New York to then go to New York to go shopping. And then she's got to go back to New York to fly. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think of that before. Technically, she should have on the last episode when she was like deciding not to go to college, her mother should have they could have thrown in a line. Okay, I've got all your stuff. I'm going to put it in storage at my at my apartment or whatever in New York. Because why was she even leaving her stuff in peak skill? Like, it, yeah, doesn't doesn't make any sense. And then the other thing is that then on top of that, Mrs. Garrett starts kind of getting into the whole idea of maybe we could do this when Tootie offers to give her refund check for her all the girls are holding checks she says here take this money for my stuff i don't need it you you can have it i'll contribute it towards the business and joe jumps right on board and says the same thing actually i think you know what i think it's joe isn't it joe who's the first one to say well you can have my insurance check if that helps and it's like joe bitch you need that money you're the one that's here on scholarship and doesn't have a place to live without working your ass off. 
But she does say, I'm used to not having any money. Oh, that's true. That's very yeah. true. But then Tootie jumps on board. Of course, Tootie's like, yes, let's all do it. Yeah. And who is the holdout that does not want to let go of the money in her hand? Natalie, how's she gonna how's she gonna get to, to Italy? Right, but I was thinking more broadly, Natalie, the Jewish one. Just oh. saying, I'm going there, ladies and gentlemen. These are wrong, bad stereotypes, and they should not be perpetuated. I am just merely pointing this out. Ooh. And then it proceeds to go on, and I think get even worse, where when Mrs. Garrett says, look, if I'm going to take your money and I'm going to reopen a new business, but be less involved, you're not going to work for me. We're all going to be equal partners. And then Natalie is like, what? I could live in Europe and you would mail me my profits? Here, take my money. I I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's... Ugh. It's it's a little cringy. Nothing's ever referred to about her her Jewishness per se, but I'm just saying it's rather interesting. But the show is created and written by Jewish vaudevillian producers and writers. But the uh, whole thing that bothered me was that, um, again, like you said, that Blair's a millionaire. Just for fuck's sake, Blair, write a check. Why are you not <laughs> write a check? I can give you a loan. I can mm -hmm. write you a check. I know you're good for it. <laughs> exactly. Um, David, the brilliance of this episode, if I may, because we're coming to the end here. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, we have three more hours of things to discuss, Matthew. We're nowhere this, near the end. This whole thing, the change in the facts of life, the change in the season, the change in that are happening are all because Mrs. Garrett made a mistake and i love it yes oh good she's not perfect and Bl joe even says in the episode mrs garrett i'm sorry but that was just dumb yep oh. it's true and part of me wants to be bitch you were my de facto manager and bookkeeper <laughs> you couldn't have written a post-it note oh but the last moment of this show, as we have happily and joyfully discovered a sizable flaw in Mrs. Garrett, <laughs> Joe takes a shopping bag because Joe clearly had been shopping herself. And what does she pull out of the shopping bag, Matthew? A brand new Mr. Frog for her girlfriend. She didn't want to see her girlfriend upset anymore. Mm -hmm. And Blair mm. says, where did you find it? And Joe was like, Kmart. They have hundreds of them. <laughs> oh, but then we go to call back to the voiceovers as Mrs. Garrett begins her big speech and we get to hear all the girls saying, ugh, shut keep up. Keep it short, Mrs. Garrett. Yeah. Is, is Mrs. Garrett really a speech giver? Is that really a thing like, oh, here we go again Yeah. with a big, long, droning Edna Garrett speech? I'm like, that's, I don't really perceive that to be a thing. No, I don't so, Fuck you, girl. She's given you everything and you still haven't said you're sorry. You still haven't hugged this poor, destroyed old woman. Jesus. Uh. <laughs> Any who's all. 
next week is going to be the sort of next chapter in this. And this is not a two, uh, this is not technically a two-parter. It was never done as an hour-long broadcast. It's just the fact that the next episode is called Into the Frying Pan. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're going to be back next week. And uh, my guest is going to be uh, you, Matthew Arter. Because we got to get us back on track to where um, we are facts of life again. And I have to say, like, I remember watching this the first time and like, I guess I didn't know how TV worked because I was Mm -hmm. so very young and it didn't dawn on me that obviously they were still going to be together. It's the first episode of a brand new season and he's ordered 20 episodes. Like this isn't the end. So I don't remember what anxiety little Matthew had watching this thinking, Oh no, had this edibles. It's gone. Natalie's going to move to Europe. Like, we've signed all these actors for another season. So I don't know what my anxiety was, but I was like, I was legitimately as a child, like what's going to happen to my friends? Like, (laughs) yeah. My thing is that it's like, okay, they're going to rebuild. I think I was not prepared that it was going to be so different. I think I thought that it was going to be Edna's edibles with just a few different things hanging from the rafters, not as much garlic. Uh, I didn't, I don't think I was prepared because honestly is still when I have to look ahead or do a little bit of a reference to see whatever happened or what happened in that episode. When I look ahead and catch an over our heads, it is still jarring to me. It really is because that I'm just really so unfamiliar with these seasons. This is going to be some major discovery for me. This is no, this is no longer the show that I grew up with that I feel is uh, etched in my DNA uh-uh. at all. Yeah. No. <laughs> but some good episodes coming up. One of my we, favorites. Okay. I, I hope so. I hope you're right. More right than you were about season five and six. I think the audience will agree with me when I say I was very much right about season five and season six, David. Yes. Possibly. I love you. I love you. I love you too. And uh, welcome to the team. Um, I'll be sending you your new hire paperwork uh, very soon. I'm going to need a W-9. And uh, and uh, you'll find uh, the salary very reasonable that you uh, have to pay me to be a part of the show. And uh, we'll work that out later. Talk to you later, sweetie. Love you. Bye. Oh, goodbye, David. Bye, David. <laughs> There you have it. That was Matthew Arder. Next week, he and I are going to be watching Season 7, Episode 2, Into the Frying Pan. You can watch the episode for free at dailymotion.com. I will post the link in the show notes and on this episode's webpage. That's all for now. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. 
Visit my website, facethefactspod.com, for supplemental photos and videos, audio extras from the digital cutting room floor, links to my social media, and ways that you can support the show financially. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever fine podcasts are found. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. Let's Face the Facts.